As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Stanley Cup final is upon us. You've got the Tampa Bay Lightning talking about dynasty discussion against arguably the best team in the National Hockey League this year, the Colorado Avalanche. It should be an epic series. So much to get into. We will touch on some Canucks a little bit later on the latest episode of the Van But Thomas, game one tonight. This should be a series everybody wants to get glued into. Uh, it's perfect. It's perfect. We, we don't get very many elite on le- elite Stanley Cup finals, right? I mean, we had Chicago. You didn't like Montreal? No. No, it didn't. Oh. No, it didn't. Dallas? Well, you knew what the result was going to be. You did. You know, like, even when Dallas won the first game, it was like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, Adobin better be a 980 or this ain't or this ain't going long, right? And and the Montreal, I mean, that was a gentleman's sweep. Montreal was a complete pretender despite what they'd done against Vegas. So, you know, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited that we're getting a real best-on-best Stanley Cup final and and look I think it's going to be tightly contested I think Tampa Bay can absolutely skate with the Colorado Avalanche maybe not in terms of raw speed but in terms of that one through one frustrating them we've seen them have success against high octane offenses already in this playoffs uh, obviously Toronto and Florida uh, Toronto and Florida might not be Colorado but you can see it from there right they're not that yeah. far off and Tampa Bay's been able to hang on, win those series. So, you know, I'm, I'm really fascinated to watch it. Fascinated to see what the Avalanche do in net. Um, I think it's going to be must-watch stuff for hockey fans. Yeah, and as far as injuries are concerned, uh, you know, Braden Point looking more and more optimistic that he's going to get to play for Tampa Bay as far as uh, Colorado is concerned. I know that uh, Nazem Kadri skated this morning without a stick again. 
Uh, they hope he can play at some point in the series, but that's a serious injury, right? When you when you break your hand and you, you know you've got to have surgery, like that's difficult to recover from, even in a Stanley Cup playoff where everybody's playing with something. And we find out at the end of every playoff how insane it is that these guys just played through that. Um, and uh, Andrew Cagliano, I think, is still listed as day to day. Uh, any other big injuries that I'm missing here? The cadre point thing is key, right? I mean, if one of those guys gets back and one of them doesn't, that's a pretty big swing one way or the other, right? And and then, of course, it's not enough for Braden Point to be in the lineup. He needs to be able to beat guys out wide, right? Like, he needs to still be able to find ways to generate, and his is a speed game, against a team that just stayed in front of Connor McDavid. So not not like you're putting Braden Point in with a moderate ask. Right, I mean, be our vertical threat against this team that shut down the greatest vertical threat of all time. Good luck, right? Coming off of a serious injury. Okay, sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a big swing for me depending on, like, the Kadri point thing is a big subplot, and I think that's a big odd swing one way or the other. I do think that the Tampa Bay Lightning need Braden Point to be able to be, if not himself, 80%, 90% of himself. Uh, for for them to advance here, like or to the, for them to win a third in a row, I just think the Avs are too deep. You need some speed threat and 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 a speed threat who can finish because Anthony Sorelli is a speed threat, but not not a finisher, not a finishing threat. Despite the tremendous work he's done against Matthews and Zabanajad and um, Barkov in this playoffs, um, big test for him. He, I'd imagine he'll get a healthy dose of McKinnon here, and uh, you know he, I mean. Sorelli, I, th- that's one of these sort of stories we haven't maybe talked about enough, but if Sorelli goes and shuts down Matthews, Barkov, Zibanejad, McKinnon, right? And he's only been on the ice for six goals against five on five in the playoffs, despite throwing the hard match the whole way through the East. If he can add McKinnon to his list of scalps, um, I mean, that that needs to go down as a historic defensive performance in the playoffs, right? Like that's very much up there with, um, you know, the, the Bergeron 2011 uh, Taves in some of those playoff years, Kopitar. I mean, that's very much up there with one of the best defensive performances we've ever seen from a forward in the playoffs. Uh, big stakes for him, big stakes for, for Tampa in general, and huge stakes for Colorado, a team that's been the best in the NHL over the last three years by point percentage in the regular season, right? I mean, this, this Colorado team has been banging on the door uh, for years now. And now they've arrived. I mean, they've arrived. They made it through that. They made it over that second round hump. They didn't lose a single game in the conference final. Uh, It feels like they're poised to be next in in terms of the team that for whom all roads go through, if you're going to win a cup, right? This could be a torch passing of sorts. If the Colorado Avalanche can grind away at the, at the Tampa Bay lightning, because you know, this Avs team, I mean, they're going into the offseason with some key players who are up. Kemper, Nachushkin, Kadri, but they have $26.5 million in cap space. And that's with all of McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, Makar, Taves, Gerard uh, locked up. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous, uh, not to mention Bowen Byram. So, I mean, they're going into this offseason with a fair bit of flexibility, to continue to upgrade their roster or at least maintain it uh, beyond this year. And then the next year, McKinnon's up, but so is Eric Johnson. So McKinnon just takes Eric Johnson's money and you move on like nothing's happened. I mean, this is a team set up poised to be a durable, 
juggernaut for years to come. And yet we all know how fleeting windows can be. We all know that you're one injury away or one weird thing away from that window shutting. Uh, the Avs have been working on this for a while. They've been an elite team for three years and they haven't been able to get it done. They haven't even got here. Now they're here. They've got a real chance to to start their own, you know, as, as McCarr put it, a legacy. And, um, you know, Tampa Bay is not going to pass them the torch. <laughs> Colorado's going to need to take it. It's going to be a, a ton of fun to watch with a, with a ton of like historic stakes playing out in front of our eyes. So you, we'll get into all the matchups and, and permutations and all of it, but let's start with the elephant in the room because, yes, you can talk about experience and you can talk about a team that's, that's been there, done that. Uh, we'll rest into rust. We'll get into all of that. But first, the goaltending is the big difference maker here. It is the equalizer for Tampa Bay, right? I mean, you've got Vasilevsky and you've got either goaltender in Colorado, both of whom have been average throughout these playoffs. Um that is the one thing that Tampa can lean on. And not that they need to sit here and, and just completely hammered shots and scoring chances and expect the goaltender to bail them out because Tampa Bay is, is a good team on its own. Even if Colorado is better, Tampa Bay is good enough to win this thing, but they've got a difference maker. How big of a factor is that going to be in this series? Yeah, it's hard to know because, you know, the goaltending edge matters until it doesn't. Right? Like, it, it matters until a goalie has a few tough games. I mean, you think about the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? They had a massive goaltending edge in the series against Florida. And I, I'm talking about it from a save percentage perspective. Vasilevsky was like 980 against the Florida Panthers. Sergei Bobrovsky was sub 900. No shocker, it was a sweep, right? But Jack Campbell and Andre Vasilevsky were both sub 900. Like, there wasn't a... Vasilevsky's presence wasn't decisive in that series for me. Um, well, early in the Rangers series, he got outplayed by Shosturkin. But overall, right? overall in the Rangers series, just I mean, at the end of the series, Shosturkin was still nine thirty, and Vasilevsky was nine fourteen. Right, so it's like they, you know, he he they didn't have the edge in net in that series, even though Vasilevsky managed the the one goal against in in all the crucial games, game six and seven, right? Or sorry, game uh, five and six. So. He was very good, but he wasn't the reason they won that series either. The the I mean, he wasn't facing the type of five alarm score. Like he wasn't facing anything close to the quality of chances that Shesterkin was. And sure. yeah, you're right. and, and and you know his save percentage wasn't as good. So you know, Vasile you like Vasilevsky more than Kemper and Francois, and yet over seven games. There's no guarantee that the Lightning will have the edge in net. They're just slightly more likely to. But we always sort of take these series and be like, well, that team's goalie is better. And, you know, they're going to have the edge in net. And the edge in net is such an ephemeral thing. Like over seven games, the greatest goalie in the world can look very human. And Anton Hadobin can look like God. I mean, we've seen this play out. We see it play out every year. So, I, you know. You like Vasilevsky, you like what the Tampa Bay Lightning have there. There's clearly an aura about him, particularly when the chips are down. And yet, you know, if you're picking Tampa Bay, for me, the goaltending edge is always something like, you can bet on it if you want, but I don't know that you can ever trust anybody, any goaltender, um, you know, just because of how variance, um, in, uh, how much variance influences goal goalie performance and save percentage. Like, I don't know that you can ever 
pick or ever should pick with confidence the team with the better goalie to have better goaltending in a series. Yeah, I mean, you know, Canucks fans only need to go back to 2011, where if Roberto Luongo got shelled in games that they lost, but had they won, he probably went to the Conn Smythe. Yeah, well, I mean, they scored... The three three games they won, he was really, really good. They scored eight goals. Like, I don't know. I mean, we don't have to relitigate it, but they scored eight goals in the series. It's a miracle it went seven. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm not blaming Roberto. Let's not go there. No, 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 I know, I know. I, there, were, there were three games where he was incredible, and there were three games he wasn't good enough, right? Right. I mean, uh, so well, it, it, you, it, it can go up and down big time within a series, even with an elite goaltender. Let me squirrel this talking point to talk about the Canucks briefly. Because, do you remember Jeff Sullivan? I don't know where he landed, but he's working for an, M- an MLB team now. Uh, but Jeff Sullivan was the this great baseball writer at Fangraphs. And, uh, right, he's a Tampa Bay Rays employee now. Surprise, surprise. And Sullivan was, like, the best. Like, he was heavily stats-based, but he had a whimsical sense to his prose. Like, he was incredible. And, you know, a, a smart hockey guy reminded me of, of a piece that he, he used to write, which was he'd write about baseball teams, and he'd say, if you want five starters that are – like average MLB players, right? Like you, you want five st- five starters in, for a baseball team, all of whom are average or better, right? But if you want to have five starters that are average or better, you really need seven because injuries happen during the course of a season and often multiple injuries happen all, all, all at the same time. So if you want to have a rotation with five starters that are always going to be at an MLB average level, you need seven guys capable of doing that job. And, you know, I do sort of think we need to begin to view goaltending performance in a similar vein more and more. And, and you know, we're, we're at a point where we're at a point where, um, you know, 17 goaltenders in the NHL this season played 50 games or more. And of that 50, like of that group of guys who played 50 or more, um, there's only three that I would say didn't either get injured toward the end of the year, suck (laughs) relative to their career norms, right? Like play at a lower level than we've seen them play historically or fade massively in the playoffs. And it's Shesterkin, it's Vasilevsky, and it's um, uh, Ilya Sorokin who didn't make the playoffs. So, you know, like increasingly I'm, I'm convinced that goalie fatigue is a way bigger factor than we give it credit for. And for Vasilevsky, you know, he's, he's about to start his 81st game of the season. Like he's going to start his 81st game of the season tonight. And if this goes long, that, that gets him up to 87. Well, Francois and Kemper haven't had nearly that workload. And that's another thing to be mindful of. If you're just declaring that Tampa Bay has this edge, especially because if Colorado has a goalie injury, you know, you're a lot happier with Kemper or Francois in net, you know, than you are with the Lightning's backup, who I don't even know. Like, I don't even know who it is. I, I think it's Brian Elliott. That's my guess. I don't know. It's a good question. It's Brian Elliott. It's, <laughs> it's Brian, Brian Elliott. Elliott. But it's like, you don't even know. So, you know, it, this is one thing that I've been thinking of increasingly too. Like, it's not just that you need to limit how much a starter plays if you have any ambition of doing anything at all in the playoffs, right? Um, it's also... It's also that you need to, like, you know, not only do you need to proportion 25 
ish, 25 to 30 games for your backup. And increasingly, I'm thinking the number's 30. But I think you also need to proportion like 10 games for your third string guy, right? Like, I don't think you can go into a season anymore without a third goaltender that you're pretty confident uh, putting in, you know, should you need it for, for 10 to 15 games. Like, I think every team around the league should be asking, are we comfortable playing this guy 15 times next year? Do, do we think that costs us the playoffs? Like, that's the question you should be asking yourself about your third goaltender every season, every season. I don't think you can afford to not have that level of depth at this point. Like, if you want to have average NHL goaltending, right, you need three guys capable of doing it. Three. It's not one. It's not one. It's three. And I do think that's a, an important thing to, to keep in mind from a Canucks perspective, particularly as they enter this offseason with, you know, uh, an untested backup in Spencer Martin, right? A goaltender that got hurt down the stretch and who played his best hockey before he was run into the ground, right? Um, and then, and then, you know, Mike DiPietro, whose future seems uncertain, and Arthur Silovs, who's not ready, you know, like pretty clear you're going to need a body there, in my view especially given how Demko's season ended. Yeah, all fair. Um, but so then let's tie this into the, the rest argument right now. So is four days enough to give Vasilevsky a little bit more juice to get through this final series? Uh, you know, it, we'll start there because certainly from uh, Colorado's perspective, having eight days off is, is quite a bit. And listen, I've been critical of the NHL. I've said for a while that the, the notion of the toughest trophy to win in sports is, is diluted. Right, because over the years we've had longer breaks between games, and certainly longer breaks between series all the way through. So it's not as daunting as it once was. Um, but the fact that they start, they're starting tonight on a Wednesday when they could have pushed it even further and gone to the weekend. Um, that's very un NHL. But the fact that they did, I think, is a good thing. So is the amount of time Tampa has to prepare for this enough for Vasilevsky to find some more juice? The, yeah, I mean, well, and remember they don't play again until Saturday either. And then they get into the every two days. So, you know, you're going to have what one game in a week. If you're Vasilevsky by the time, by the time you get to game two. So that, that I think will help, but I don't know that it's enough to offset all the stress. What, what I think matters more is that I'm sure Vasilevsky spent, you know, the last four days plugged into his USB port. Right, like bleep bloop, just just recharging. Uh, guy's a robot. He's a robo goalie, and so you know, I, I don't know that the same rules that apply to most mortals apply to apply to Vasilevsky, the machinery that powers him. Uh, that to me is the is the big thing. Like Vasilevsky's just clearly a uh, different, diff, cut from a different cloth or a different material, and so you know, that, that's what's sort of going to save him. But, uh, but I sort of bring this up in part because we brought up Luongo's inconsistency in the Stanley Cup final. And, and you know, more than anyone else, uh, I think, you know, Luongo, Luongo was such a workhorse. Like he was a 70 game guy some years. And I, I do think one thing we've underrated, um, you know, during his prime years were what was the impact of rest. And, and I think when you look through the playoff, struggles that he had right the the uh, you know people called it mental issues or the yips or whatever what have you like i i always thought we underrated or i think we underrate now that i look back with our 
with our more contemporary sense of of fatigue and and preparedness and readiness and I, and I really do believe that Lou you know had this had these games in the playoffs where he was either great or not so good <laughs> or not good at all and there was no in between like what he lost once he'd started 80 games a year was those like fine those baseline performances that 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 sort of went away for him he was either perfect or or borderline unplayable and you know that that's just one thing that i think um deserves reexamination i i think at some point we need to go back and sort of look at goalies and and think about them differently with with our contemporary understanding in mind just because the position has changed but you know but by the time you get to 2010 um you know i don't think you're i don't think it's a totally different position it's not like guys were standing up <laughs> i mean post <laughs> post integrations weren't common yet but they existed for some guys for some of the european guys so you know, it, it wasn't a totally different position. And uh, yeah, just, just a thing to keep in mind. A thing I'm obsessed with at this point. As Thatcher Demko likes to say, is a thing for us to talk about? Well, yeah. But I think it's another, it's a thing that management teams around the league have to grapple with and do a much better job of than most teams in the Canucks in particular did last year. Like that stretch. Sorry, I know I, I, I know we're talking cup finals and we'll get back there. Oh, it's a Canuck podcast. We can go here. But that stretch, when you when you look back on it now, February, March, where Demko plays every game. They lose trust in Halak. Halak plays twice. He gets pulled. Those aren't even rest days for Demko. I mean, everything that came after that makes so much sense in the context of they completely wore him down. They completely wore no him question. down. That's and, totally fair. And it was irresponsible. Like, yeah, I, I don't, you could set yourself up for a serious injury at that point, too. I don't think we talked enough about how irresponsible it was. You know, I, I mean... What if the Canucks had been five points better and then they lose Demko with a weekend of the season? Well, then you're Nashville like that. It, it's over. Like what? How how quickly does a series Vancouver against Colorado end if Demko's hurt? Three games? I think they have. I think they use the mercy rule after two, you know, like, come on. And so that can't be recreated. That can't be recreated. And we need to be more attuned to it, you know, like as media. Right. It, it's not. Yep. It's not going to be good enough to run Demko out the way that they did last year. That cannot happen again. No, no question. And, you know, from Demko's perspective, something for us to talk about, well, co the coaching staff was talking about it. They Like, it was being talked about elsewhere within the organization. It wasn't just media drivel. It was everybody acknowledged it. They just felt there was nothing they could do about it in that moment. And, and it was short-term thinking. But, you know, you get when everybody's kind of, in that mode that look, we got to do what we can to just get back in this, even though getting back in it might not have been the most important thing in that moment. Nonetheless, uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll we'll continue with the the rest conversation because of how it potentially impacts Colorado. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So Drants are eight games off, eight days off, I should say, for Colorado before playing in this. And that's amongst the top five all time in terms of breaks. And again, it could have gone longer, but they're going to have the one game, then they're going to have another couple of days off before they play again on the weekend. So this was a team that was operating on such a high level. I mean, they toyed with Edmonton in that series. And, uh, you know, they get to relax, they get to wait. But how much does that impact these teams coming off breaks? Teams coming off long breaks going into this. It's going to help them later in a series, but how much does it hurt them early in a series? Well, we just saw it. Tampa Bay had nine days off after sweeping the Panthers, right? And, And then they struggled mightily. For two games. And Vasilevsky found three to really find his game. Took him three games. So, you know, I don't think it's insignificant by any means. I don't think it's insignificant. And so, you know, an an edge for Colorado in terms of their health, right? Some of their guys got healthier. So it's good for Colorado in in that sense. But in terms of being sharp, you know, it wouldn't be a stunner to me. If it took them a game or two, and and all of that said, Tampa Bay often struggles out of the gate in these series, right? Like what Tampa Bay does better than everyone else is they adapt and learn and and solve their opponents, right? Uh, They're way better toward the back half of the series than they are to start. Uh, You think about them getting blown out 5-0 by the Maple Leafs in game one. You think about them losing 6-2 to the Rangers in that first game, right? Uh, It's not unheard of for this Tampa Bay Lightning team to show up, see what they see, find a team that, you know, maybe they can't keep up with or they're not ready for the speed, and then they slowly but surely chip away and figure out how to will their way back in the series and contain an opponent that, you know, maybe maybe looked like they had them on the ropes early. I wouldn't be shocked if that's how the series looks. Like, they're playing in elevation. This Tampa Bay Lightning team's played a ton. They don't have the speed to keep up with the Avalanche. They don't. And so I won't be stunned if we see a lopsided scoreline in the Avs' favor, despite the layoff that Colorado has had um, in Game One. Like that will not surprise me. But um, but you know I do think I do think there's a there's a chance that the layoff is a factor here. I, I really do think that there's a chance that that is in Tampa Bay's factor in the early part of the series, and presumably the additional rest and 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 not to mention. Uh, far less miles logged. I mean, you know, Tampa had one sweep, but they had a six and a seven gamer. Um, Colorado's lost two games this whole playoffs, right? I mean, Colorado's played less. The The freshness edge uh, could matter more as this series goes along for me uh, from Colorado's perspective. Yeah, I tend to agree, right? I think that that um, is going to be a big factor. And you're right, you know, in terms of the elevation for Tampa, I'm not sure exactly when they uh, got uh, to uh, to Denver, but um, you know certainly when you look at it, there are a few things that are kind of lining up in their favor. But you know people have drawn the analogy of Islanders versus Oilers in the eighties. Uh, you know a fading dynasty versus this up and coming team that is just so much more talented, but yet doesn't know what it takes. Do you buy into any of that? It's a very unanalytical argument. Uh, it's very romanticized. You know in folklore and, and just what the notion of what it takes to be a champion, which you can't necessarily quantify that way. Do you buy any of it that 
that Tampa's been there, done that factor matters. I buy that it matters, but I don't think it's fair to say Colorado doesn't know what to, how to do it. You know, I, just because they haven't won the cup doesn't mean they haven't won a ton of playoff rounds over the past few years. I mean, they're what? They're up to five playoff rounds, one in the past three years. Um, you know, it, it obviously the pressure and the stakes change on this stage, but you know, I, 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 sh- I they haven't been in a conference final in that stretch yet, right? Well, they beat, they just beat Edmonton. Well, that's what I'm saying is that up until now, um, and, and you know, so I, how much does that give them that they finally got over that hump? I don't know. I, I mean, we've seen, we've just seen this Colorado avalanche team though, like eliminate leads late, like. Uh, there's nothing yipsy to me about this team. Now, could that change yep. in the cup final? Maybe, but I'm not, I'm not get like the, the Tampa Bay lightning have an aura about them. And I do think it's fair to say that the aura of, you know, knowing you can do it is something. I don't know. It's a huge factor, but I'm, but I'm not buying that the abs are this like wide eyed team. That's going to be shrinking from this moment. You know, I, that would stun me considering the personalities involved and considering the way that they've played in this playoffs. Best player in this series, Nikita Kucherov, Kale McCarr, who am I missing? Who's the best player in this series? McKinnon, Vasilevsky point. I mean, there's a outrageous amount of talent in this series. It's fantastic. Um, See, for me, it's, for me, it's Kale McCarr. Right. Kale McCarr is the best player in this series and has the ability to impact it like no other. Um. Yeah, and how do they? And how do they? You know, we we always talk about defenseman deployment versus versus the other way. If you, if you know what I'm saying, right? Like they, um, you know, with forwards, we talk about how you're going to match up with them. We don't talk about that from a defenseman standpoint. How are you going to match up with Kale McCarr? The conversation is who does Kale McCarr match up with? But is that the wrong thinking? At some point, does a team have to look at Kale McCarr and say, how are we going to deal with him? I say yes. <laughs> of course they do. Um, you know, the, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you deal with Kel McCart. Like you make one mistake and, you know, a pass is like off by a centimeter. And usually it's just like, okay, other team gets it. They go behind the net, go for a change. Kel McCart picks off your, your one mistake. And within seconds, he's, you know, skated through the neutral zone and there's an odd man rush the other way, right? Like he does it twice a period. And I don't think I've ever seen anyone else do it. It's uh, it's pretty incredible. He's a, he's a monster. So yeah, I mean, look, I like the argument that Kale McCarr is the best player in the series. I, I can see it, but for me, it's Kucherov. I mean, I, just like if there was one guy. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's Nikita Kucherov. I just think Nikita Kucherov's um, outrageous, outrageously good. And, you know, has a skill set, too, where he's unlike, you know, it's not it's a totally different test than with McDavid, right? McDavid, you have to keep in front of you. But Kucherov, you need to keep your head on a swivel. You need to have 360 degree awareness of everything that's going on because he's just so skilled. Like, he's just such a good problem solver in terms of unlocking defenses. Um, I, I think I think. I, I mean, I'm going to ride with Kucherov for now. I think this could be Kucherov's Steph Curry moment, right? Where he comes into a final, you know, he's never won the Conn Smythe for the um, Tampa Bay Lightning on any playoff run. He's been so good in this playoffs. Feels like this could be the moment where everyone's like, okay, we, we got to start giving um, 
Nikita Kucherov a little bit more credit here. When we look at his numbers over a three playoff run, it's Gretzky type stuff. Like that's who that's who the comparable becomes. Like, do are we giving him enough credit for his playoff greatness over these three years? No, you know, especially the not. one year where he doesn't play in the regular season and he rolls into the playoffs like nothing happened. Yeah, like Peter Forsberg. Um, yeah, no, we're not. Kucherov's Kucherov's incredible, man. I, I honestly think Kucherov. There's an argument to be made that Kucherov's the best winner, you know, as an offensive piece in in the sport. Um, you know, here, here's an interesting one. Here's an interesting one for your um, Tampa Bay Lightning has been there, done that theory, right? So the Avs and the Lightning played twice this year, and the Avs won both games, although they won one in a shootout. So you'd call it one win and one draw. Now, granted, both of these games were played prior to the Lightning significantly upgrading their bottom six. And that matters a ton because, you know, I, I had a tweet in January that people like to dunk on saying that I picked the Lightning over the Panthers, which which I never did, by the way, uh, because I noted that I didn't think Tampa Bay had enough bottom six speed or quality to hang with Florida and Toronto. And people are saying like, oh, you, you know, you thought Florida and Toronto were better. And it's like, well, I did in January, right? I, I, and I did again. I thought the Maple Leafs would beat them, but... So be it. They didn't. But the Panther, by the time they came to the Panther series, I, I was picking Tampa, especially after seeing how Washington frustrated the the, the Panthers and how Toronto, um, you know, Toronto's extra gear was contained so effectively by the Lightning. But like the Lightning went out and traded two first round picks and Matthew Joseph plus to upgrade their bottom six. And they needed to do it because they lost that Gord, uh, Goudreau, Coleman line. And, they, you know, they, they sort of bandaged it up with a maroon Belmar Perry third line for a bit, but I, it wasn't going to be enough. I knew it wasn't going to be enough. They knew it wasn't going to be enough. They actually agreed with that take from January, to be totally honest with you. And you, and that's plain, plain to see from the moves they made to bring in Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel. But nonetheless, when Colorado played Tampa Bay twice this year, in both instances, like Colorado was leading with three minutes to go in the third period and Braden Point scored to level it up in the first game that the two played. And again, at home, Colorado was leading 3-1, and Braden Point was the guy who scored late in the second. So not late in the third, but late in the second to um, make it make it interesting again. Um, so there has been, you know, some Colorado Avalanche leads against the Tampa Bay Lightning that they've struggled to hold at least over the course of this regular season series. Uh, I wonder if that's a, a thing we might watch for. Interesting. Interesting. And you, you mentioned the point factor. Uh, how much of a difference is he going to make if he comes in at, say, 75, let's say 75 or 80% and just is just a touch slower than what you expect him to be? How much of a difference can he make in that moment? I mean, I still think a lot, but but they do need him to be able to beat guys out wide, right? Like he. Yeah, but are there other parts of his game that matter significantly? Yeah. On the other side of the puck. Well, I, of course, of course. But the main thing that Point gives Tampa is a guy who can attack with speed. They don't have anyone else who can attack with speed. Not like him. And so for me, his value is so tied up with that um, in terms of how he puts pressure on, a, on an opposition's um, defense. And, and that factor for me is multiplied 
because this, because for me, this series is likely to swing on how Colorado and Tampa fare in the non Taves McCarr minutes. Like for me, that's going to be the, the key chess match this series. Obviously when Taves and McCarr are on the avalanche or the lightning, excuse me, need, need to make sure that they're not torched. But in the non McCarr Taves minutes, can the Tampa Bay lightning at five on five make hay? And, and here, here's my prediction. I think they can. I think that the Colorado Avalanche can struggle to break out against teams that are elite in terms of their forechecking game. And they haven't faced a team with that until now in the playoffs anyway, right? Nashville, St. Louis, Edmonton, come on. Low five-on-five gear teams for the most part. The Tampa Bay Lightning are not a super high five-on-five gear team, but they can get there. And and while they play a controlled forecheck, while I'd expect to see a lot of one-three-one from them, um, I do think that they can significantly attack and turn over pucks and attack against the grain, like counter quickly the way they did against the Rangers uh, against the Avs, particularly when Taves and Makar are sitting. And so, you know, if they're like, if point comes back and plays lower down the lineup, if they keep their top six lines intact a little bit here, um, you know, then, 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 Without question, we're going to end up seeing some point versus Johnson and Johnson and Manson and Byram. And if we do, um, and his skating looks 80%, he's going to be a terror for them. So really fascinated to see how they use point. Really fascinated to see if they're tempted to go 11-7 as a way of maximizing some of the minutes they can get their best players out against Tampa Bay's, or sorry, Colorado's second and third pair. But but to me, the series swings in those non-Taves McCarr five-on-five minutes. And I think the Avs are pretty well built to take advantage and punish, uh, you know, the Avalanche's lack of defensive depth in the absence of Gerard. Um, You know, I I really do think that they're going to be able to be effective in those minutes. And I think it could be the series. Well, we, we were talking about point there. And at the start of the show, we talked about just the potential swing of Kadri versus point, right? So if Kadri's going to play in the series, it's not going to be until late. And really, they haven't had to do anything without him, right? Because he got injured in game three against Edmonton. By the time that game's over, like the series is over. Yeah, the stakes are so, low. So they haven't really had to, to do a lot of heavy lifting without Nazem Kadri, who I think has been a real key for this team, um, you know, centering that second line throughout these playoffs and only through the regular season as well. How do they adjust against a much deeper team, against a team that's fortified its bottom six, um, how are they going to handle an extended run here without Nazem Kadri? I'm I'm curious if we'll see Miko Rantanen play some center again. We saw a little bit yeah. of that in Game Four. Um, you know, I, it's not easy. I, the good thing is JT Comfer's really good, right? I mean, uh, you know, uh, not a lot of teams have a guy who would probably be a second line center on most teams in the league as their third line center. Even the Avs, even the Tampa Bay Lightning don't have that. Although they can bump guys like Stamkos into the middle, right? They often play him on the wing. Um, but JT Comfort playing up the lineup, not not the worst outcome for them. Logan O'Connor uh, playing up the lineup, not the worst outcome. Uh, so, you know, if you have to end up going something like McKinnon, Comfort, and one of O'Connor or Nico Sturm on the, on, as your third line center, and then you sort of keep that helm group together because they've been great. 
I don't think that's the worst. Like that's that's not terrible. <clears throat> you know, I, I I see that working. I don't I don't have a huge issue with that. So Kadri's crucial, but the Avs are so well built and so deep that I do think not not that they can offset losing him entirely, but 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 their their floor in Kadri's absence is still so much higher than most teams. Whereas whereas with the Avs or sorry, whereas with the Lightning, I think Braden Point materially brings something to that lineup that they don't have without him. They just don't have it without him. And so so for me the leverage of Point being healthy, like the swing of Point being back and looking healthy is bigger in terms of being a factor in in why Tampa will win or lose this series, decisive in shaping the outcome than Kadri's health is for Colorado. When we come back, we'll take a look at the matchups and also swing around the rest of the league and talk about some coaching news as well. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So, Drancer, take me through the line matchups as you see them. How does Colorado deal with the Kucherov line? Is it a heavy diet of, of Taves and Makar, or is it is it more with what they do up front and try to match forward lines? I would expect we'll see Makar and Taves hard matched against the Avs, uh, or sorry, against the Lightning. I keep messing up Avs and Lightning. I don't know why. Um are so damn good. So damn good. Uh, well, I, I suspect we'll see Makar and Taves hard matched against Kucherov. We saw them Dude, hard matched yeah. against McDavid, uh, so that that to me would be a, a pretty compelling data point. And then you know one thing that the Avs did against Edmonton was they loaded up McKinnon with the two best two way wingers on the team and Nishushkin and Landeskog, and turned him loose against McDavid. Like they weren't willing to limit McKinnon's minutes by going with the Kadri hard match on McDavid. And I think that's a good tell that we're going to see a pretty steady diet here of McKinnon against whoever Bednar feels uh, is Tampa Bay's most used or, or or best forward line. So I would expect the Avs to play this relatively straight up. Like, I, I think we'll see McKinnon play a ton. I think we'll see their second line play a ton. And that, and presumably that that's the Hagel Stamkos group that they'll, uh, they'll play against. And then you know, you can you have a big speed edge if you're Colorado with your third line uh, against um, against that Perry point. Uh, sorry, point uh, Colton Ross Colton. I always want to call him point because Col- Colton points a goaltender. So I always get me- messed up there. Excuse me. Ross Colton, Corey Perry, Nick Paul. You could have a speed edge if you're Colorado with your third line against that group, depending on how exactly you configure that third line. And and likewise with the fourth line, uh, Colorado's fourth line is really fast. Tampa Bay's fourth line, not so much. 
So, you know, that's sort of how I'd, I'd roughly expect it to go from a uh, Colorado perspective. What, what's interesting is that you'll probably get a disagreement on that from the Lightning's perspective, right? Like one thing I think the Colorado Avalanche will probably try and do is get McKinnon out there against the Kucherov line in part because that frees him up from playing against Anthony Sorelli. And one thing I would expect the Lightning to chase is Sorelli versus McKinnon head-to-head minutes. Like that's what I expect the the Lightning to chase. And that's sort of going to be the interesting tactical battle that shifts b- between home ice advantage in the series, right? Like I'd, I'd watch to see how often and how hard both coaches work to either chase that matchup or get away from it. And I think that could be somewhat decisive. Uh, and I wonder too, if that means that John Cooper might even consider playing Sorelli and the Sorelli Stamkos group uh, with Hagel as, as his top line. Like, I, I wonder if we might see them play top line minutes just because it, it sort of forces Bednar to, to play McKinnon against Sorelli. Now, all of that said, if Bednar wasn't going to hide McKinnon from McDavid, I, I think he's just going to play him straight up. Like, that would be my expectation. Play him straight up and chase the and chase the Kucherov hard match with Makar and Taves. That would be my expectation. So from the Tampa perspective, as you mentioned, I mean, are they? is it more about that line-on-line matchup or do you, you try to get Victor Hedman and Jan Ruda out against, uh, against the McKinnon line? How do you look at it from their perspective? Well, I, I mean, Tampa Bay is always doing weird stuff with their defense. They are. <laughs> you know, like they're they're a different animal when it comes to how they match up with uh, with teams uh, on defense. I would expect that they will tr- not. I expect they'll try and limit the amount of time that Jan Ruda plays with. Um, I'd imagine they'll try and limit the amount of time that Jan Ruda plays head to head against McKinnon. <laughs> that would be my that would be my expectation. Like I would expect him to. I would expect them to try and get. Headman out there with perhaps Cernak um, ag- against McKinnon as much as possible. I want to go around the league a bit. Are there uh, are with with some coaching news and things like that? Are there any other keys to this series that you want to get into, and then we'll get into our picks as well? No, I think that's uh, I think that's basically it. Who do you got? Uh, Tampa Bay and six. Tampa Bay and six. You spent all that time pumping Colorado's tires, and you got Tampa Bay and six. Yep. Me too. <laughs> do you six? I I do, and and look, I I am probably overplaying the goaltending matchup, and and I can't get past it because I just think the best of Vasilevsky, which is going to be required, is significantly better than the best of anything that Colorado can Colorado's goaltending can offer, and I I just think it's going to play a factor in at least two of the games in this series. I'm not going to tell you that one goaltender is going to win the Conn Smythe and steal the series, but I think that. Vasilevsky is going to give Tampa two wins. Yeah. And and I just I think that's going to be a, it's it's going to be the difference in the series. Uh and and I think you're probably underplaying Tampa's speed a little bit. I think they've got a little more pace than what No way. Stop it. I don't think they're a slow team. I I just don't. They and are. maybe I'm probably factoring point too much into it. But you know like I look at Edmonton and I and yeah, their their top of the lineup is fast. The depth of their lineup isn't uh, you know, I look at what they've seen throughout these playoffs, and I don't know that they've been tested from that standpoint as well, right? So I do think that Tampa Bay's got a got the most complete team that Colorado has seen yet. No question. I, don't think, I agree with you that Colorado's not going to wilt in the moment. I, I I totally buy that. But at the same time, I do think that Tampa's players 
know how to be at their best at this time of the year, and I think yep. that starts with the goaltender. Fair. No, I think it's. Uh, I think those are good reasons to pick Colorado. Or sorry, to pick against Colorado. And, and it's hard because Colorado is the better team, top to bottom. I'm just going to keep messing this up the whole series. It's going to be wild. They're 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 matched in my brain, <laughs> right? Because they're both elite teams. You know, going out and going out and proving that anything can't happen. How do you feel? How do you feel about these two elite teams? By the way, Farhan, can anything happen? Yeah, either team can win because they're both so good. And right, right. You know, and, but you, you know what? So you make good. you make a great point right at the start. Right, that we're not seeing some Cinderella team that has no business being there. No, nope. where the outcome is inevitable, and this we never outcome, do. This outcome is not inevitable. No, right. And like we, at the well, end, and we never see, and we never see the Cinderella raise the trophy. Midnight always comes. At the end of it, you know, when we look at this series, when it's over, we're going to look back and say, we should have seen that happen, right? Like, you know, clearly they were better because of what played out. And that's, it's, it's all going to be with the benefit of hindsight, but you're going to see an elite portion of one of these teams shine through, which a Cinderella team simply doesn't have. Right. Yep. And that's why I say it. I'm not saying it for the obvious. I'm just saying it for, from the standpoint of this is why I don't want to see those teams here. Yeah. Well, and I do think one thing is that if this series is going to end quickly, like... It's not. If, no, it, but if Colorado's going to win, I think they better end it quickly. Right? That's like, fair. Like, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, you can't you can't miss your shot. You know, like, very, very much uh, Omar Little vibes in the wire. Like, you know, you can't miss your shot when you, when you come at the abs. The Rangers did, the Maple Leafs did, and they paid. Yeah, see, and that, and that's why I think the goaltending is going to. There's going to be one of those games where we say Colorado missed their shot because of Vasilevsky, right? Right, and um, but yeah, like you're, it, it's probably a good point that it, if Colorado is going to win, they got to do it quick. Like if it goes to Game Seven, you're going to find a lot of people that have a difficult time betting against Tampa, even though the game is going to be in Colorado. Um, let's. So we both have Tampa Bay in six. I know that's boring, uh, boring uh, podcasting, but here we are. Uh, I can't make good on a steak bet or a fish bet with you that I still have <laughs> that I still haven't paid yet. Uh, but you, by getting it back here, what do we uh, what do we make of Bruce Cassidy going to Vegas? Are we surprised? I mean, I certainly had Barry Trotz going to Vegas. Are we surprised that Bruce Cassidy is the first coach off the board and that Tampa makes or sorry not Tampa uh, that Vegas makes its decision first? Uh, not surprised that Vegas makes their decision first. Um, Cassidy is a great coach. That was a really smart move to just. You know, get that done. Good stuff. Good stuff from the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, he's really good. He's a really good coach. That's um, that's a tough that tough news. Tough news for the Canucks in terms of a divisional opponent that missed the playoffs and is going to be far better next season, uh, especially with a, a change in leadership. I, I think Cassidy's going to have a ton of success there. A really good hire. And Winnipeg apparently uh, is it a. Is it somebody offering free food to Barry Trotz? What is it? He's gotten offered a by a local business that they'll give him free whatever for for however long if yeah. he goes and signs with the Winnipeg Jets. Jets are thirsty for Trotz, but I mean that roster needs a ton of work, right? Like, what what's the appeal? What's the appeal for Trotz there? There's none. I just don't get it. I know he's a Manitoba guy, but it's like that team's not doing anything. No, but and there are better options for Barry Trotch to go to that's going to that are going to get him closer to a cup on day one. And one would think that matters to a guy who's won, and you know who's getting up there. So I mean, we'll see. We'll we'll see exactly how it plays out with Trotz. Trotz is the big sphinx in the whole 
punch bowl. <laughs> the Sphinx in the punch bowl. I don't know if that's a, a saying, but he, I... he's he's sort of the mystery man. He's the mystery man holding a lot of cards, and I do think one of the reasons the carousel has been slow to spin has been his overall situation. Did I read that the Philadelphia Flyers are trying to bring in John Tortorella? Like that that would seem to be the perfect fit in that market. Totally. If you want to make 94 points and maybe be a team that can upset a, a juggernaut in the first round every year while never actually accomplishing anything, Tortorella's your guy. And he can go back and forth with the fans and the media and he can live that life. Uh, I think that would be great. I mean, Tortorella with Philly fans, like sign me up. That sounds great. And And by the way, by the way, I said that about Tortorella. I have a lot of respect for Tortorella as a coach. I think he's a really good coach, to be totally honest with you. Despite I the fact too. that he, the, despite the fact that it was a disaster here, um, you know, I, I think he's a really good coach. I think he's surprisingly innovative, open minded, super detail oriented. I think Tortorella is uh, an exceptional hockey coach. I just think that the Philadelphia Flyers are the most rudderless team in hockey, and I don't see them accomplishing much in the near term, like, I think they need a, a level set. If, if T- Tortorella is being brought in as the harbinger of a rebuild, which I don't see, I love it. I love it. Like, I love the idea of going young with Tortorella and then letting him build, like, a cult of torts team. <laughs> um, but, but I don't think they're going to give him that opportunity. And I just don't see that team accomplishing anything with the way it's constructed. I, I think they're a classic doomed in the mushy middle team. Any word on uh, Travis Green and any potential jobs? I haven't been checking in on it. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I think um, I've been surprised by how absent his name has been from rumors. Uh, which allows people to dunk on you and I. Well, sure. But I also don't know if that tells you anything. Yeah, yeah. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes there, for sure. You know, and, and there's... And there's um, some coaching situations where nothing's been out, right? Like yeah, where they're it's, just, it's where been quiet around a lot of postings. It, it, totally. it has been quiet around a, a number of different uh, teams and situations. And and it's, also and also remember, like when when you hear about a coach interviewing, like a lot of coaches feel like they benefit from being seen to interview, right? Uh, I'm under consideration here, meaning like I'm a serious candidate. Um, you know, oftentimes the leaks in a coaching search, and I've done, I've managed two of them on the PR side. Um, stem from the coaches themselves, not from the teams. And so, you know, don't, don't read too much into what you hear. Like no one had to at Cassidy, right? The Tortorella thing heated up over the weekend, but until it was uh, on the one yard line, we didn't hear about that much either. So uh, we'll see, like, we'll, we'll see exactly where uh, the carousel spins and, and whether or not green lands and maybe he won't. And, but, you know, I, I think, I think there's, um, I, I that that story's not written yet. Let's put it that way. Interesting article you put up in the Athletic. Uh, I'm not sure if Harm was involved in this one. I know when you had your bigger free agent dive, he was, but I think in this one it's just you. But five free agents, five free agent forwards that could add some speed to Vancouver's lineup. As we talk a little bit about, you know, Braden Point and his impact on Tampa's lineup. Um, some interesting names here. Uh, do I should should I tip the hand on who's in here? Or should I drive people to the website to read the article? Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, Mikhaev's the big name and the the rest of them are uninspiring. And, and, you know, that's sort of a common thread throughout the, all of these UFA pieces. We'll probably do a couple more looks, a couple more lists this week to close it out. But, you know, one of the big takeaways is that there is no silver bullet. There's no silver bullet in free agency. There's no silver bullet for this hockey team as their position. 
And I think that's an important big picture takeaway. If you want to go read specifically some of the targets we've we've read, we we published 13 defensemen to look at today too. Uh, go check it out at theathletic.com. All right, that'll do it for us. If you're looking for other pod options, check out Ian Mendez. He hosts a live preview of the Stanley Cup Final on The Athletic's YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter channels with guests Joe Smith, Peter Ball, Michael Russo, Mark Lazarus, Dom Luchizan today on The Athletic Hockey Show beginning at 3 Eastern time. And as for us, thanks for listening to The VanCast. This is our only show this week. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Do not forget to leave a rating, and a review. Right now, you can get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash VanCast. We'll be back next week.